welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I'm back for the Empathic Mastery Show again. Obviously, this is Jen, and I'm here with my friend and my email mentor, Liz Wilcox. And I'm going to kind of fangirl here because I've worked with a number of different people over the years around email, and Liz gets it. Liz gets it in a way that I have never found anybody else to get it. And she also has a way of helping writers really find their voice and creates structure and forms for that. I could go on and on about how awesome Liz is. And I'm also imagining you're kind of wondering like, well, why the hell do you have an email mentor (laughs) on your show that's talking about being highly sensitive and empathic? And so I'll just read Liz's bio just because it's really well-written and it's really fun. And then we'll open up the conversation. So Liz is the fresh princess, get the reference, of email marketing. Liz Wilcox is an email strategist and keynote speaker showing small businesses how to build online relationships and make real money with emails. She's best known for selling a blog, turning a $9 offer into multiple six figures without ads, and helping you untangle the email knot with pop culture references. She loves the 90s headbands, and the beach. Welcome, Liz. I'm so glad you're here. Oh my gosh. I am really excited. I was just telling Jen before we hit record that this isn't something I normally talk about. So I'm like super thrilled. Thank you for listening. Mm, Well, and I, and now to answer the first question, why do you have Liz on your show? So Liz and I have been, you know, full confession, Liz, Liz creates these amazing, amazing email templates that she charges nine bucks a month for people to get access to. And the thing about these templates is that they are so like they're, they're these formulas. It's kind of like Mad Libs for grownups who are marketing. And the thing that is wonderful about these templates is that you get to take them and customize them and turn them into your own email. And I started using her her templates and i found that what had been felt had felt like a total struggle started to feel a lot more effortless and actually fun and so if you are a subscriber on my mailing list you may have noticed that i'm actually sending out more email which is kind of the goal and so i actually loved bliss's work so much that i started working with her privately and having a chance to connect with her and just kind of comb through some of the material and we started talking about other things okay so this is where the answers are coming in we started talking about other things about her how sensitive she is and how empathic she is and just like just chit chat about stuff and i'm like you're an empath and she's like well that's what my sister says i am And so it's like, you know, I'd kind of love to bring you on the show. And she's like, okay. And so here we are. So I really wanted to talk about email from the standpoint of emotion, email from the standpoint of 
the fact that as empaths, we're putting energy out into the world. But when we put energy out into the world, we also feel the energy coming back at us and all kinds of other stuff. But before we totally go there, Liz, tell me about you. Tell me about like, how did you know you were a sensitive person or maybe that you were like, not like the other reindeer? Like, how did you find, let's start the beginning. Yeah. So I've always been a little, I don't know, odd, I guess. And sensitive is a good word, but I didn't rediscover that about myself until like Jen mentioned, my sister, you know, kind of slapped me in the face with it. As a kid, I, I actually was selectively mute until age seven. And looking back at it, I realized I was just living in such an anxious home and I was very attached to my mother and she was a very, uh, we'll just say she was on her own journey, right? She, she was a young mother. She was in her thirties. She was working, uh, you know, coming out of an abusive relationship when I was born. And I think now I was taking all of that on and I didn't Mm -hmm. know as a little person how to process all of this emotion that I was feeling. So I just stopped. I just didn't speak. I only spoke to my mother on occasion and I would actually whisper things to my sister, my little sister, so that she could communicate for me. I wouldn't, I don't think a teacher heard my voice until I was in the second grade. And so looking back on that, it's very obvious But over time, you know, you evolve, especially this was the early 90s. Oh, she's just extremely shy. You know, she's just a weird kid type of thing. Right. And, you know, I eventually, quote unquote, for lack of a better term, you know, kind of grew out of it. I remember upper elementary, middle school. I remember having anxiety attacks and hyperventilating at pep rallies because there were so many people when we would get into a room together. I just it was overload. And I would no joke faint because I was hyperventilating and putting myself into this terrible state. Mm. Um, And then I just, I remember, you know, slowly just one day or, you know, over time being okay, you know, still being anxious, but it was really my mom in the seventh grade. So I was also a really sick kid, you know, constantly struck throat, you know, weird joint pains. You know, I think my mom got me tested for arthritis when I was in the fifth grade because I was just constantly complaining of pain. Anyway, I remember her telling me in the seventh grade, I was home from school or something. And she said, you know, Liz, the more you try to be like them, the sicker you get. Wow. Yeah, it was very insightful from my mother. She has little gems of wisdom every now and again. (laughs) Thanks, mom. And I just thought, yeah, you know, the kids don't like me anyway. I might as well just be who I am. I might as well just be the weird kid. Just be, you know, I want to say I was shy, but I was also, if you, if you Google me, you'll see, oh, wow, Liz is a personality. (laughs) Liz is Liz. You know, I was always like that. But at the same time, I was trying not to be, you know, I was trying to fit in and I was clearly a person born to stand out. So, mm-hmm. you know, being being a kid was really hard. And so that's when I sort of sort of started leaning into, well, they don't like me anyway. I'm just going to be who I'm going to be, you know. And then another big moment about, I don't know, four or five years later, when I was about 16, I heard a teacher say something like happiness is a choice. And at the time I was living in a one bedroom trailer with like seven people. I had just moved cross country and I, you know, my mom and my stepdad were always fighting and 
I thought, you know, the forefront of my mind, that's not true. You don't know my life. Right. Mm -hmm. But there was something in the Mm -hmm. back of my mind that said, you know what, Liz, what if, you know, you can't control who, what family you were born in, you can't control this or that, but what if you could just be happy? Kind of the same as, you know, oh, Liz, you might as well just embrace who you are because you can't control these other kids. Uh, So again, I just kind of leaned into that and over time just became a more confident, um, excited human being. And it wasn't until, like Jen said, my sister and I were living together for about a year and a half. And I don't know, about six months in or something, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, the rise of TikTok, things like, you know, empathic and sensitive. And, you know, they suddenly are buzz terms. And she said, oh, you know, you're the most sensitive person I've ever met. And I was like, no, what? No, I'm not. I'm resilient. You know, and I, I, I at first rejected it. I was like, I'm the most resilient person. You could say, you know, I take criticism really well, da, 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 da. And she Mm. said, yeah, she said, yeah, because you're sensitive, you understand people like more than I've ever met anyone. She said, don't you remember as a kid, you were constantly crying at commercials, you know, like feed the children, Sarah McLaughlin. We all remember that. She's like, you would saw you would, you know, you would be inconsolable at night sometimes because you would get so upset. And she said, you were always extremely protective of me than when I didn't want you to be. And I was like, oh, well, that's true. I remember that. (laughs) Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I kind of put, you know, at first I I thought, no, no. But then the more I think about it and I look back, yeah, I've always been incredibly sensitive, very easily understand other people. Even if I don't agree, you know, I can always kind of see both sides and just easily pick up on behaviors. Oh, yeah, that's why he's doing that. Oh, of course she acted that way given X, Y, Z. And so just sort of leaning into that and, you know, it's kind of that epiphany when all of a sudden, you know, the, you can see the magic eye puzzle, right? You remember those? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's a ship. Um, Realizing, oh yeah, I guess I am pretty highly sensitive and, you know, pick up on other people's vibes. I guess that is why that one year I had a migraine for a year because so-and-so was freaking out over here. Right. So yeah, that's a little bit of my story, I guess. Mm. Oh, uh, Liz, it's so funny. Every time you tell more of your story, I'm like, oh my God, you are such an empath. <laughs> like it it just, it's really, and I really want to draw out a couple things. One thing that you said that I think is so fascinating is that you assumed you were not a sensitive person. You were not an empath because you were resilient. And I think that Part of it is the mythology we have in our culture about what it means to be empathic, what it means to be sensitive, that somehow that means we're a doormat, but also that it means that we're somehow like sensitive and vulnerable is equated to weakness in our culture. When the truth is, it's actually a superpower. And it really seems like you've learned to pivot that and use your gifts in a really amazing way. And I just want to say to anybody who's listening, if you knew, if you met Liz now, you would have no idea that she had been selectively mute for <laughs> seven years of her <laughs> early life or just, or that she had, she struggled with her weirdness and her quirkiness. Because one of the things I love about you is the fact that you are so comfortable being yourself and putting yourself out there, that your brand is very, very clear. You are very clear. Like there's just so much of you in it. And yet 
I actually think because you're so comfortable being you, you create these templates that allow other people to become, to be them. Because what I love about your work is the fact that for one thing, it allows other people's voices to speak. And some, um, some email marketing templates and stuff are just so formulaic that it feels like somebody gets that email in their inbox and they're like, oh, she's working with a copywriter. And your stuff does not have that quality. So I just wanted to observe that. The other one last thing I want to say is that as I've done this work, I am struck again and again and again by the number of people who as we have these conversations, it's like, oh no, you're, you're an empath, but they never thought of that identity. It's almost like because of the, oh, but I'm resilient and I'm, and I'm a trooper and I'm a scrapper and I've gotten through this. I'm not sensitive. It's like, you know, I love how your sister is, was able to say, no, this is what you are. This is who you are. But also where you're starting to see, wait a second, it's my sensitivity that allows me to do so many of these things. Yeah, I think I love the word you use, vulnerable, you know, vulnerability, true vulnerability is a strength. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that I didn't necessarily understand as far as the empathic vein goes. But I realized I think it was around college when I have a degree in elementary education and they do a lot of internships and, you know, they're watching you and you have to watch yourself back and critique yourself. And, you know, that's very uncomfortable, you know, hashtag cringe, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember in the logical part of my brain, once I realized, well, the more open I can be and the more open I can be to making mistakes, the faster I'm going to learn and the better I'm going to be. Um, then I was able to just kind of really, you know, in a raw sense, open myself up in that way. And I've been able to you know, take that skill I learned at university into other areas of my life. And I realized, you know, especially even being sensitive, it's made it so, you know, being raw and open and vulnerable, whatever words you prefer. I know that other person is feeling that same way, you know, oh, they don't want to critique you. They don't want this or that, or, you know, it's uncomfortable for both of us, but if we can just you know, that's saying lean in and, you know, you'll ride the wave faster. Like that's so true. And that's a true, true strength being able to actually be vulnerable and to even hold space when someone else is being vulnerable. Um, heck yeah, that makes you resilient. <laughs> it really yeah, does. So, yeah. It's a huge, it's a huge, huge strength that I think, especially um, for empathic people, sensitive people, that we can really understand and use that to say, okay, yes, I am going to be vulnerable, or I'm going to see someone's vulnerability and hold it instead of, you know, rejecting it or making that person feel worse um, to be that safe person for people. Mm, mm. Well, and part of what you do is you hold that space and you hold that space for a lot of people. In yeah. at least sort of in your community and within leadership, I think, you know, you encourage people to take those, to take risks and to put themselves out there. Yeah. And I think, so one of my, my personal definition of success is to be an example of what's possible. And it all started with, oh, this little girl who can't even speak. And now, you know, I'm on this 
podcast. I, I think uh, it's the year 2022. It's almost the end of the year. I've already done over 100 interviews. Mm-hmm. You cannot get me to hush, <laughs> but it's just having that big vision to know, hey, and as cliche as it is, like if I can overcome X, like you're going to be able to overcome what you want as well. Uh, the only difference between me and you is I've decided to take action, right? Or, you know, I've just been doing this a little longer than you as far as change. Um, I forgot kind of where I was going with that. But yeah, just having that vision of I want to help people do this or that and knowing like building up that resilience, building up that strength to Jen's point about me helping a lot of people. I think at this time um, of the recording, I have about 2,100 people in my membership and about uh, you know, depending on what numbers you count, about six to 10,000 people in my universe. Um, and I tell people often when, oh, I want to, I want a low cost membership like yours, or I, oh my gosh, you were on that many podcasts. How can I do that? I always invite people to take a step back and ask themselves, you know, is that really what you want? Mm, is that you know, really what it's you want? Not, not everyone is meant to hold space for, you know, six to 10,000 people. Not everyone wants, you know, some people work great one-on-one. Some people's brains work like mine where it's, oh yeah, I can see, let me help this person and that person find their voice, like Jen said. But I have a master's degree in leadership. Like that didn't come naturally. (laughs) I'm just, that's a skill that I've learned on top of other skills that I have on top of, you know, being sensitive and being able to truly put myself in those experiences of, oh, I remember when it was this way. I remember when I couldn't speak, when, you know, when I literally felt that my voice wasn't strong enough. It wasn't just this mental thing. I physically couldn't speak. So when people come to me and say, oh, it's so hard to find my voice. Oh, I use these templates, like Jen said, but it sounds like such and such wrote it, which they did. Mm -hmm. You know, how can I truly make it sound like me? You know, I have that ability to kind of tap into my own experiences to hear what you're saying and, you know, bridge that gap, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) you speak about the capacity. I mean, just the importance of recognizing what you have the capacity for and whether you're here to hold space for like six to 10,000 people, or in some cases, people holding space for like hundreds of thousands or even millions of people and just really recognizing ourselves. And um, I'd love to talk more, like, I'd really like to talk about like that, like the energy of holding space. And how did you know, I guess, like, has, has there been ever anything where you're like, this is not for me? And how did you know? And obviously this is for you. How did you know? Yeah. So I want to take it back. Do you remember, you know, in elementary school when they would have guest speakers and, you know, they're, especially as a kid, you're also constantly being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? Then this is going to sound wild, but I'm sure we all have this experience where we just intuitively know what you're meant to do, Mm -hmm. you know, especially the younger you are. And there was something that always said like, oh, Liz, you're going to be a speaker, which of course was in such, what's the word? Um, Irony. 
yeah, of, I can't even speak to my brothers, you know, or, or my stepdad, like what, but there was just always something, you know, in your gut, that feeling. And this is really what convinced me when my sister invited me to, you know, explore this part of me that, oh, wow, I have always been really in tune with myself and with others. I always just knew that I was meant to speak to a lot of people. And even to this day, I say, I don't know exactly what that looks like, right? Mm -hmm. You know, pivot is the word of my life. (laughs) But I always just kind of, you know, I would see these pep rally people come in and or, you know, see things on TV where it was a big crowd speaking. And I would, oh, that's what I want. I want to inspire people. And I didn't even know it was just a feeling. I didn't know those words as a kid, even as a middle schooler, you know, I just, oh yeah, that's going to be me one day. And then I would have these, you know, blurry, I don't know, visions of that. And it's still blurry. I still am not sure what it will look like, but I know that I'm deep down meant to inspire people. I mean, I talk about email marketing right now and about, you know, I share my story. Oh, I grew up poor. If you've ever seen that movie, Eight Mile with Eminem, like my mom used to live on Eight Mile. I got her off of that street, no joke. And so once I realized I could, you know, click a few buttons and make money, I knew I needed to tell other people, especially when I realized they weren't getting it the way Jen said, Liz just gets it. I knew that's the direction I wanted to go. It was just very, very quick, you know, feeling in your gut, I guess you could say. But as far as what I knew I didn't, like, wasn't my path to your question. I started off as an RV travel blogger (laughs) and I I knew, I knew, okay, blogging. Yep. I can do that. It was again, just that intuition of Yep, Liz, this is the way you can go. Oh, forget about that six years of university and education. You know, this is the the thing you've been waiting for. But I always kind of knew, you know, I'm not meant to talk about RVing the rest of my life. I remember saying something like, oh, I want to be the face of Jayco one day, which Jayco is an RV manufacturer. But even then I was like, that's playing too small. That's that's not exactly it. But I knew I wanted to get in front of people. And But doing that was, you know, a stepping stone, a building block. I Mm -hmm. cut my chops or whatever the phrase is. And I actually started that website as LizWilcox.com because that's what I, oh, use your name, use your name. And about, I think it was only seven or eight months in, I knew one day I was going to sell it. I was like, this is just me learning. I'm meant for something else. I'm not meant to talk about how to change a tire the rest of my life or, you know, I'm not meant to teach 60 year old men how to retire into their rigs. That's not my journey, but this is how I'm, you know, building the confidence. And so I changed the domain and everything only about seven months in. And what most people don't know is from that point, every product, every partnership, the email list, everything was to sell it one day. Mm -hmm. I, I had that exit plan. I knew you know, again, it was blurry, but I knew that wasn't my path forever. I knew this was kind of like a practicing playground or whatever, you know? And so finally, once I figured out, yep, email, that's actually the thing I'm really good at and that people usually aren't. The second I figured that out, I listed my website for sale like the next day. I was like, yep, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Goodbye, 
the virtual campground. That was the name of the, of the website. And that website lives today. It's super amazing. They're actually hosting an in-person event this week. Um, and that's so cool to see. Um, but I knew it wasn't my path. So I think just really learning how to tap into you, I guess, mm-hmm. helps make those questions that Jen just asked about how did, you know, what did you know was or was it for you? Once you can know you really well, it makes those things super simple, I think. Yeah. Well, and I really want to um, hold up the fact that so often when somebody tries something and it doesn't work, they look at it as a failure. And I love the fact that you really saw the RV thing as kind of like training wheels and like an opportunity to develop your business because, you know, as an entrepreneur, of many years myself, I went through a number of iterations trying things on. And I honestly think it's almost like, you know, kind of like you kind of, you know, unless you just happen to be one of those rare people who meet your, your beloved in high school and your high school sweethearts, and you stay married for like a hundred years, most of us have to date a little bit before we find the one. And I think that's true with business as well. And so I love that you really see this became a platform that you actually leveraged and you were able to really use in the best way possible to grow, to understand, and also to fine tune and recognize what are you actually really good at? And as you were saying, you realized like a lot of people aren't great at email and you really are is going to lead me to kind of like to a slightly different direction, but I did give you a bit of a heads up about this beforehand, which is email emotions and energy. And one of the things that I, that I think happens for empaths around visibility is that because we are sensitive, not only do we feel energy, like not only do we feel it when our stuff goes out into the world and somebody's engaging with it, but we also can really feel the energy that they're putting into or they're sending back at us. And I think that tends to make some people really resistant, but obviously, I mean, that's sort of my thought, but I'd love to talk about like, basically like email emotions, resistance. Why do people suck at doing email? And also maybe it's, are there myths? Are there like things that people are not aware of? Let's just open the conversation and talk about kind of the energy and emotions of email. Yeah. So I think with email marketing or even if you decide to own your own business and even in real life, I mean, the way that we highly sensitive people feel others' emotions and how it's easy for us, you know, oh, they're just having a bad day or, oh my gosh, you know, their past blah, blah, blah makes them act this way. We have to embrace that sort of thinking for ourselves mm-hmm. as well. And be able to forgive ourselves for those mistakes. Like Jen just said, oh, you know, the RV thing wasn't a mistake. It was here I am just practicing. I love the trading wheels thing. And so with email, instead of focusing on, oh my gosh, I'm sending this to a hundred people, that is a hundred chances that they're going to come back and bark at me. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to absorb that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just allow yourself to oh, this is, you know, this is my, with every email, I'm just going to get better. I'm practicing in public, so to speak. 
And even being, I've found being very direct with people allows them to open up to your vulnerability and be much kinder. So I think where I got this, I used to actually work at a gas station. And if you've ever been inside of a gas station, it's a cesspool of humanity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, everybody, they need their coffee, they need their cigarettes, they need to fuel up, you know, they're in and out, in and out, right? This is just a part of their day that they need. And so people would come in and they would be very nasty. And one day this lady came in and this was also, you know, back in 2007, 2008, whatever, when gas prices were insane. And so I was constantly getting yelled at about the gas price. I'm like, I'm like 19 years old, dude. Uh, you know, I don't yeah, it's I like, don't know. do you really think I have anything to do with the pricing yeah. of gas? No, I'm like registered to vote. I don't know what you believe, <laughs> believe about how we can regulate this, uh, you know, while they yeah. buy 20 ounces of energy drink for the same price. Um mm-hmm. Anyway, one day this lady was, she was just being very mean and, uh, you know, kind of barking at me. And I just looked at her and I looked her in the eye and I said, ma'am, I'm a real person. Why are you being so mean to me? We don't even know each other. Mm. And she literally stepped back. She said, you know what? I've had a rotten day and I'm being really rotten. I'm so sorry. I said, I know you are because you come in every day. You're usually a pleasant person and you're yelling at me. I said, I just work here. This is not a skilled job. (laughs) You know, like I'm just scanning things for you, ma'am. And she said, you know, thank you. I'm so sorry. So I use that experience, bringing it back to email, I promise. I use that experience when, you know, because you do have to open yourself up. Email is emotional. It is being vulnerable. It is practicing out in public, which can be very scary. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But if you can cringe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you can be very direct with people, if you can say, hey, I'm just starting out emailing, these might be a little hashtag cringe. Or, you know, if somebody comes back to you nasty, this happens to me not often, but it happens often enough that I have a reply for it and saying, hey, I'm a real person. I hope if we were face to face, you wouldn't act like this to me. This this hurt me or whatever I want to say. Right. I personally cannot absorb that energy I, mm-hmm. again, maybe because I'm highly sensitive. If someone comes at me really in a nasty manner, I have to respond. I cannot just delete it. That will eat at me. Mm, I know mm -hmm. the common advice is just delete it. They're trolls. Ignore it. I will fester Mm -hmm. if I don't push that energy back. Like Mm -hmm. literally, I imagine myself saying, rejecting that energy, just saying, no, (laughs) ma'am, not today. And not, I don't, I'm not nasty. I mean, one time I was nasty. Um, But I'm usually, I just say, I'm a real person, you know, hey, Liz here, right? Like I'm actually in my inbox reading this because most people, again, think back to that lady in the gas station. She was on autopilot. She was being rotten because she had a rotten day. Someone, she was transferring that energy that she received onto me. She didn't want it, right? But I was rejecting it. So the same way, hey, you know, Jen here, I totally get how annoying that could be. I meant no offense, you know, please feel free to unsubscribe or I've unsubscribed you. You won't be hearing from me again. But, you know, I hope that if we were face to face, you wouldn't act like this. You know, 
stay blessed. However you would want to say right. it, but right. you do. I, I really don't like that advice of just delete it, ignore it, especially for a sensitive person. That's mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. Especially as I like to think, oh, I'm strong. I'm resilient. I can take critiques and I've taken some critiques in my day. Um, and all that's true. But if someone is just really, you know, again, that nasty energy, I cannot absorb it. It will make me ill. The same way my mom told me when I was 12, you're making yourself like you are sick, Liz. That still to this day will make me ill. And so I have to push that energy back. And I think that's totally okay. Uh, So maybe not the answer you were looking for, but maybe that's the permission slip someone needs that's listening to this to open themselves up and be vulnerable and understand that you don't have to absorb that energy if and when it comes back to you in a negative way, you can push back. That is totally okay. Right, right. Well, and, you know, there are so many pieces to this because I think that Mm -hmm. in some cases, it really is like that lady where it's like they have no idea how they're behaving. And it's like we can act as a pattern interrupt in somebody's life. And be like, I hear you, you know, like an ouch that really hurt. And it's like, they're so used to screaming into the void and getting nothing back that they're just keep screaming. And somebody responds and says, I hear you screaming and it hurts. Like, and it's, and I think it can come as such an incredible surprise to somebody, but also it just feels to me like not only is it pushing, you know, there's, there's, is it setting a boundary, but it is also holding a mirror up for that other person and acknowledging them. And I think that that's one of the things that the digital world is sorely lacking in is engagement and connection and community and actual involvement, engage, like, like acknowledgement that there's so much stuff that we put out into the world and it's like you get crickets and yeah. and even even the person the troll or the negativity sometimes that response is even if it's a firm boundary is giving somebody like like just acknowledging that desperate voice out in the wilderness and saying i hear you and and that can be the difference like the woman at the gas station you changed her day i'm sure yeah and i think that's and I imagine after that, were you guys friendlier? Like, was that oh, yeah. the beginning of a oh, relationship? My yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, Liz, what's up? How you doing? You know, and I think that's something as sensitive people, we can take to our advantage. Because like Jen just said, you know, in the digital world, like the digital world is meant to connect us, but it doesn't actually. And so right. when you get something, you know, like Jen used the word troll, but like when we think about it, those are actually people. They're not trolls. They are want, they are desperate to be seen. She's mm-hmm. you heard it here first. And so if we can come from that, you know, empathic feeling of, oh, this person needs to be seen today. And we can be that level of reason. Oh my word, does that stand out? Yeah. Suddenly, instead of getting into a screaming match with someone on YouTube or in your inbox. Or, you know, just absorbing it, just deleting it and absorbing it. Suddenly you probably have a bit of a fan (laughs) or, you know, someone who, oh, wow, that person really, you know, not only did they 
address my concern. Like they were able to diffuse the situation while wow, that person really is special. I've had people come to my, I had someone, uh, my one and only chargeback. They purchased something, forgot that they purchased whatever, uh, you know, it's a membership. It came out again and they disputed it. And I got this email, very nice email. Hey, not sure what this is, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Something must have happened in her day. Two hours later, I hadn't gotten back to her. A semi freak out. Oh my gosh, you know, you're a thief, blah, 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 blah. Instead of just saying, hey, you know, no worries, here's a refund. I actually sent her a video. You know, I don't remember her name. Hey, Patricia, I'm so sorry I didn't get to you. You know, I wanted to be like, I have a life, lady. You know, that's my initial (laughs) thing. But thinking about it from the perspective of, okay, she sent two very different emails within two hours. Something happened an hour ago and now her day is shot. So, hey, you know, here's where you signed up. Here's you know, the affiliate you signed up through. So sorry if you forgot. I've gone ahead and refunded that. No need to have a PayPal dispute. Uh, Just have it. I want every purchase to feel good. This clearly doesn't feel good. You know what? She now sells that thing. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. she was like, wow, Mm -hmm. this is amazing. I'm re-signing up. I want to be an affiliate for you. You are real. And so I think as someone who can feel other people's energy, who can really understand, you know, what drives people to do X, Y, Z, you have an advantage, especially in the inbox, in the digital world to hear people to, like we talked about, about 20 minutes ago, to hold that space for people. So they're seen. So they say things like, oh, wow, she really gets me. You know, you can take all the copywriting courses in the world, You know, a million and one email marketers out there will sell you templates, but really when you can come at it from a space of you and really trying to understand your person, which you probably already do, it's going to make you stand out so much better. You have everything you need already inside of you to succeed. Mm. What I'm really taking from this and I'm realizing is for me, the really big difference between you and all of the other sort of like email copywriting. And I mean, cause I've done a lot of study in marketing and copywriting. And what I think I'm realizing is what makes has made you feel so different to me is that you put your heart and salt, like, like you're not wearing a mask and there's sort of a theme I'm hearing that I've been hearing from the, almost the beginning of this conversation is that you realized, and you've realized a number of times that instead of hiding from your truth, the true nature of who you are, you have continuously learned to lean into that and let it be okay to be vulnerable. Let it be okay to be weird. Let it be okay to be who you are. And then from that, like lean into that vulnerability, lean into that quirkiness, lean into the boy bands. And that by doing that, it allows other people to lean into their truth as well. And I think, you know, we live in a society that is so freaking curated right now. And so many people are trying so hard to come across like polished and like they've got it together and they know what they're doing. And in many ways like that, like there's a phoniness to it. There's a fakeness to it an insincerity to it. And it's sort of like what I love about you and your work and your emails 
is that it feels like I'm breathing real air when I experience or come encounter you. I feel like there's real oxygen in the room as opposed to like Febreze in the room where somebody's <laughs> been trying to come across in a certain way. And even as you were talking about like graduate school and realizing like, oh, no, I need to be willing to be willing to be vulnerable. I need to be willing to lean into this. I need to be willing to like make mistakes in order to get better. And for me, like this is a really big piece of what I'm hearing and I'm taking away from this whole this conversation, at least this so far, is this idea of knowing who we are and then honoring who we are and being who we are so that we're really putting ourselves out into the world like warts and all instead of like following these marketing formulas that at this point, I think honestly do not work. Yeah. So I think luckily we're, well, good and bad. We're shifting into this market where people want to connect with people, right? Yes. And when I heard that advice, I thought, well, shoot, I'm a people. That's okay. (laughs) Sign me up. Or, you know, and I know, I know people as highly sensitive folks, we, whether we know it in our brains or our bodies, we know people. And so even just looking at my own experience again, oh, she didn't speak, uh, you know, learning happiness was a choice, leaning into, you know, the boy bands and the rainbows or whatever and saying, okay, well, if I've had this struggle, I'm not a unique snowflake. Everybody else on the planet has these struggles too. In fact, I feel it when I'm around so-and-so, I can just feel their energy. I can just feel the tension or when I'm around such and such, they're in a good spot. You know, I can tell, we all know that saying, we all feel that saying like, oh, you could cut the energy with a butter knife. You know, Mm -hmm, you walked into mm -hmm. the room and you could just feel it. Right. And so just embracing the fact that, you know, I'm a person and I'm talking to people like human to human made it easy to do all those things. Jen said, like being vulnerable, doing this, you know, just being a real person, no Febreze allowed. (laughs) Um, And that's what I love about email and why I picked it as my marketing channel was, you know, well, at first they said, oh, you know, it's highest ROI. I said, okay, well, I'm nothing if not efficient, but I realized why it has the highest ROI, why email marketers are always toting, you know, stats, oh, 40 bucks in return for every dollar, da, da, is because it is a more intimate channel mm-hmm. because it is human to ha- human. Email to get technical and nerdy is a decentralized platform. Facebook owns Facebook, right? We all know Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook has a face. We know the guy. You know, we know it's run by an algorithm. Email is different. There's lots of companies. You know, there's hundreds of companies you can choose from to use. It's decentralized. Nobody makes the rules. So you can just be a real human. You are not enslaved to some algorithm. You don't have to outrank some ad or some giant company. If you can lead with, I'm a human talking to another human being, you win. You rule the inbox. It's the same as a mailbox. When we go to the mail, that's a bill. I don't have to open that till the 12th. Oh, John moved out 12 years ago. I wish they'd stop reminding me of my ex-husband, right? Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, 
Jen sent me something. I can't believe she sent me something. I'm going to open this right away. We do the exact same thing in our inbox. And this is why it also feels so vulnerable and it so feels quote unquote hard because we know it's not going to get buried among, you know, 12 dozen ads and, you know, Instagram trying to turn into TikTok, right? A bunch of dancing people around uh, curated content, right? Of course, there are other emails else. We know, pick up our phone, we're searching for that person we actually want to open up the email from, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's to our, it feels very heavy because it's like, oh my gosh, it's just sitting there waiting to be opened. And what if it's a waste of time? People are going to hate me. But it's also to your advantage when you can lead with a little bit of personality, yep. your vision for your clients or your students. Um, and your value set, what drives you to do the thing you do? Oh my gosh, it's going to change the whole game for you. And that's what I love about email. It's human to human. These aren't email addresses. These are people that I want to connect with. Yeah, that's my email soapbox. <laughs> mm. Well, and I really love, I really love that you're really pulling out and talking like each email address, instead of looking at it as like, how big is your list? It's like each one of these people is human. And one of the things that's amazing is that since I've been working with you, like my open rates, and this is for, you know, nerdy, sorry to any of you guys who are not marketing people, like, uh, you know, excuse the, excuse the nerd tech here. My opening rates have like almost doubled since you and I, like we did an email purge where we cleaned up and we weeded out the people who were not responding to email and everything. And just by changing my strategy around email, it's like, I can see more engagement. And I think that part of it is looking at, and really like, for me, I'm really feeling this because I think that there are times where I forget, like, I think of the list as the list. It's like, it's like a statistic as opposed to every single one of these people has given me permission to send them information. Every single one of these people is actually, was at least interested enough in what I have to say that they had signed up for my mailing list at some point in time. And I think we forget that. Like I actually got an email from somebody a little while ago asking me to be part of a summit. And they were like, and their criteria was like, how many P, how big is your list? Like your list has to be X amount X K for you to bring, you know, for, for me to consider you. And I'm like, bitch, you, you approach me like, and you're at correct, now, you're, now you're like, do you qualify? I'm like, if, uh-huh. you, if, but, but I was like, what I responded was, well, my list is not the size that you're looking for, but my engagement and particularly my open rates are really, really good. And it's sort of like, it, and and that's the thing. It's like, I could have a, a cold list of like 20,000 people, or I could have a really warm list of like 1500 people. And in a lot of ways, you're going to get a lot more traction with those 1500, as opposed to just this arbitrary list. And oh yeah, the thing Sorry. I really hear is just, it's, I'm a human talking to another human. Yeah. And I love that perspective Jen just gave, because it's very, it reminds you that, yeah, it's not just an email list. And I love email because it's consent based, right? Mm -hmm. You open the emails, you know, you opt in and then you open the emails and it's all, you know, yes, I know Jen likes my emails, right? And after a while, you know, 
as an email marketer, I'm going to tell you to scrub your list, get people off the list that aren't emailing. And a lot of times that can feel emotional. I worked so hard to get those leads. It took me two years to get to a thousand people, you know, whatever. I can't let those people go, Liz. But if we can look at it as, you know, these people gave us permission, but consent can always be taken back. We as empaths, we know that, right? Uh, What I said yesterday is not what I say today, Mm -hmm. right? And so looking at it as, okay, this person isn't opening anymore. They're no longer giving me consent to be in their inbox. It becomes easier to scrub that list. It also becomes easier when you get an unsubscribe or you get one of those emails like, this was dumb. Why did you email me? Because (laughs) if you can just look at it from that, you know, empathetic oh, this person just doesn't consent anymore. It becomes easier to let that person go to say, oh, okay, you know, they turn the light off and that's fine. They're not ready. You know, I talk about what's your vision for your people. They're no longer on the bus. They don't want to go to the place I'm going and that's okay. And that's just the power of email marketing is it's just, you know, permission, consent-based and you can really love on your people and I usually in all of my uh, presentations, I have a slide where it's me and a bunch of pictures of me and people. And I say, all of these people are on my email address. And I know every single one of, or on my email list. And, you know, these are people and every single one of them is a customer. And, you know, I, I created this product because I knew Jesse said this and that sparked an idea and da, 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 da. And you can have conversations in the inbox And they can feel really, the person can feel really good about them because they opted in, they consented and they know that you're there. They know you're invested. It's not like, oh, I, she's doing a 30 days real challenge. So now I have to see her for 30 days, uh, you know, because she signed up to pay a hundred bucks to do look like an idiot, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I mean, I do reels, check my reels out. I think they're pretty fun, but I look like an idiot. Um, Again, with the email, it's just such a more intimate cha- channel where you can really get to know people human to human. You're all on the quote unquote bus to a certain vision. Like mine is make money with email. If you decide to get off the bus, that's great. Hopefully you'll pop back on one day. If you like reels more than email, you know, peace be with you. <laughs> um, but I love, I just love that it's consent based. Well, and you know, you bring up and you talk about the difference between decentralized and the fact that email, like email is still something we get to control. If I want to drop the F-bomb every other sentence, I can, and I'm not going to get banned from the algorithm because, you know, or it's like if I was like a lactation specialist and I was sh- I was sending out emails with breastfeeding mothers every single day, you know, every single week. I would not get knocked off. Like some people might decide that they didn't want to continue to receive my emails, but I would not necessarily, I wouldn't get knocked off the platform because I am doing something that's true to who I am, but somehow doesn't violate the community rules. Right. You can always find more people. And I think the thing is that we don't always think about like, how is this, you know, how is the media being controlled? In terms of like, as, as consumers, you know, it's like, we're over on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're in all of these different places when what we're actually being 
you know, there's a certain amount of grooming that is going on. And there is a certain amount of, there's definitely a lot of curating that's going on, not only on the part of many people who are putting up their social media, but then also the social media itself is curating a great deal. And it, in some ways, social media by its very nature tends to be really artificial, except for there's these small oases where people are really committed to being raw, real, and vulnerable. But what I really hear you're really, it's like, it almost feels like, like, this is like one of the flags you're waving is like email is the place where we really get to be human beings talking to other human beings and making those genuine, sincere connections with people. And if anything, I feel like this is like, so many people don't get that about email. So many people are treating email in the same way that they treat a Facebook ad. Like it feels like they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it's going to stick. And I think that one of the things that's probably making your email marketing and your membership and everything so much more effective is because you are not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it will stick. You're, you're throwing spaghetti at to a human being and saying, Hey, do you want to eat this? Yeah. I think one of the things that sets me apart and sets the marketers apart that use some of my strategies is again, going back to that consent-based thing, I teach people to set expectations at the very beginning of the journey. So if you opt in, you know, you might just be opting in for a freebie and, oh yeah, I am my newsletter, but we don't know what that means yet. So setting expectations up front saying, you know, I'm going to email you every Tuesday or, you know, I'm going to send sporadic emails, whatever the truth is. And, you know, I'm going to offer funny stories about X, Y, Z, or I'm, you know, I'm a logical brain. So I'm going to give you content like X, Y, Z. And then up front, I'm going to offer you free and paid products, resources, services, whatever words you want to use. That way it truly is consent-based. They read that email. They know, oh, if I'm on Liz's list, okay, every Tuesday, green pay products, funny stories, Facebook group, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yes. And I literally teach people to have them hit reply and say, you know, yes, I'm in. So I know you're in. It's sort of, you know, like this mini contract. It's the same way when you listen to a podcast. You know, Jen says, oh, today we've got Liz, blah, 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 right? She's setting the stage for what's about to happen. When you do that with email, again, you get such better results. You get those people on your list that, oh yeah, I'm definitely, I'm on the bus. This is where we're going. You know, they're excited. They're buckled up instead of, you know, all these people that, you know, oh, I don't know where, oh yeah, I signed up for that freebie, but I never looked or why is this person emailing me every day, you know, and they're scratching their head or, you know, it just, again, sets that stage. It sets boundaries for you and the subscriber and it allows you to be who you are. With mm-hmm. me, I say something, I usually say a joke like, if you don't like Justin Timberlake jokes, this isn't going to be for you. Or if you're a huge Backstreet Boys fan, you know, may- maybe see you next time. Something, you know, silly, but it's really setting that expectation again, you know, also leading with personality, the vision and values, saying up front, hey, this is where we're going. Are you in or are you out? it really makes all the difference in your emails. Well, and I think our mutual love for JT is uh, <laughs> a big part of 
part of what oh like, I didn't I, I didn't know she liked Justin wow oh god like, yeah no I should have worn my Justin earrings with, today with your with anytime you have like whenever I have to sign up for something and you're like in sync or Backstreet Boys I'm like you know it's just I'm, I'm basically my answer is almost always JT forever or like that's so hilarious yeah. So I, I didn't know that. So funny. Yeah, no, it's one of the things that it's actually one of the things that made me go, I love this woman. She is just amazing. And I mean, Liz, it's amazing how fast this conversation has with the time has whipped by We're we're kind of coming towards the end of the conversation. And I did want to mention to everybody that as of the airing of this particular podcast, we strat, we, we actually planned this. And in full transparency, Liz has um, offers her email membership as for an, an annual price, like once or twice a year, usually like around Black Friday and right about now. And one of the reasons why I am scheduling this email or this podcast, not email, <laughs> but there will be an email too, but why I'm scheduling this podcast to go out right now is because Liz is generously offers her membership for nine bucks a month, guys, come on. It is like less than a meal at McDonald's if you get all the works. And the thing is that this really value in what Liz offers is truly, in my personal experience, absolutely worth it. Because when you purchase the membership for a year, you also get access to all of her courses, all of her trainings. I'm assuming that is still true, or am I completely off base there? Yeah, no, this is, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. email marketing membership, hashtag SEO, <laughs> um, is a $9 a month template membership where every single week I write a newsletter template for you to take and make your own. And I really mean it when I say I want to make email work for you. I know it feels like this knot that's never going to become untangled. And so it's not just a template. I give you a video walkthrough, an explanation. I show you a skeleton outline so you can really see the bones of it. It's easier for us to go to Instagram and see trending audios and to see what's really working. But with email, again, it feels fuzzy. Like, oh, I kind of see what people are doing, but then again, I don't know if they're actually selling or if this actually works. So I give you the why behind it. I give you the bones of it. So over time, you can see patterns and you can see, oh, this is what makes email email. And then on top of the template, you also get two swipes, which are A plus examples of what it would look like, uh, depending on what kind of business you have, what your tone is, you know, how comfortable you feel with the list. Um, and all of that's included for nine bucks a month. When you join in the annual sale, I call it, you become a pass holder, kind of like Disney, right? Yeah. So you become a pass holder and you get 12 months for 108 bucks. That's nine times 12, simple math, nothing fancy. But you also get access to all of my other products for free. It's kind of like you can think of it like Sam's Club or Costco. When you go into Costco, you pay 60 bucks. You're in there for the year. You buy everything at price. For me, you get in for 108 bucks, you get everything and you don't have to give me another dollar for the entire year. So you get things like my just pre-sell it templates if you've got an idea, but you're not sure it will sell. Uh, you get a sales page workshop and templates. You get a Black Friday training. Um, you get a 20 minute newsletter outline. There's something like, I think close to a dozen products now that you get for free. And then you also get anything that I'm going to create for the next 365 days, you also get for free. So I really mean it when I say this is everything you're going to need 
for email marketing and uh, copywriting for an entire year for just 108 bucks. Mm-hmm. And the cop and you guys, the copywriting is good. And full disclosure, the link that you're going to see in the show notes is my affiliate link because I really do stand by what Liz is doing. And if you are an entrepreneur and you struggle with email, Liz makes it easier. And that is just true. And the way she explains things, I don't know if, you know, like she explains things in a way that makes sense, at least for my neurodiverse brain (laughs) and that make it just that make it, that make it just fun actually. And that's, that's something that I just really appreciate. So Liz, before we jump off, I always like to ask the question, if you had advice, if there was something that you wanted to tell, like, what do you know your younger struggling self and maybe like, I don't know, 16, you know, like I'm not even, not even sure what age would you talk to your seven-year-old self? Would you talk to your, but like, what message would you give to the part of you that was really struggling with being highly sensitive, empathic, picking stuff up all the time, feeling like you're trying desperately to fit in sick, scared, overwhelmed. Oh, I love this question. Thank you so much for asking. Um, you know, the cliche advice, of course, of, oh, it gets better. You learn more about yourself, but in general, and this is something I tell myself every day in my personal life and in my business, I always ask myself two questions. Number one, what would this look like if it was easy? And Mm. sometimes that answer is impossible, right? It's just life just sometimes isn't easy, right? Oh, it might be easy if I could just get away from this person or if I could just pay to have this outsourced. And sometimes that is impossible. So I have a follow-up question for myself every day. What would this look like if it was fun? Mm. And I think if I would have known those things, you know, quote unquote, back in the day, asking myself, you know, especially the fun question, what would this be like if it was just fun? Because I'm also a very high achiever. So I always wanted to be the best, do the best, do the right thing, never wanted to let people down. You know, my family also saw me as a very high achiever, the smart one in the family, the cycle breaker. But I think if I would have known, you know, those two questions like, hey, or in other words, you know, hey, this could be easy or this could be fun. What would that look like? Putting it through that lens. I think life would have gotten much easier and more fun uh, more quickly. But it's something I picked up, I don't know, excuse me, about five or six years ago. And ever since then, you know, every day, every month, every year just gets better and better. Mm. Mm. What would it look like if this was easy? What would it look like if this was fun? So Liz, thank you so much for being with us today. This has just been, I mean, this conversation has just whipped by and I could talk with you. I mean, I, I do and can talk with you for hours and hours. Um, how can people get in touch with you? And obviously you guys in the show notes, you'll find the links as well. Yeah. So of course I'm an email marketer. I'd love for you to join my list. If you're thinking about building a business or you already have one and you know, you feel that disconnect between what you want to do and what's actually happening, <laughs> I believe email can work for you. You can go directly to lizwilcox.com in the top right-hand corner. There's a hot pink button. You can't miss it. You'll get an entire welcome sequence completely written for you already for free. You know, you can take out the Liz Wilcox, put in you, 
You'll also get three newsletter examples. So you can see what I mean by, you know, showing that you're invested, sharing some personality, et cetera, et cetera. One to show you how to get people to click, one to show you how to get people to reply, and one to show you how to sell directly from a newsletter. And if that's not enough, because I know writing from scratch totally sucks, you'll also get 52 subject lines completely for free, lizwilcox.com. Or you can join in on the fun and become a pass holder for 108 bucks. Jen will have that link for you. I'd love for you to join. Um, and I can't wait to see what you do with email marketing. Liz, thank you so, so much. This has really been delicious. Thank you. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to empathicmasteryshow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time, hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your Empathic Safety Guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.